success, we're not all starting from the same place. Level the Pursuit seeks to fill in the gaps and provide accessible, bite-sized leadership lessons for anyone looking to improve their skills and prepare for the next step, whatever that might be. Welcome back, my friends. I hope you're having a great week, and I hope that you enjoyed the discussion of cancel culture because it was very interesting to think about. Uh, Today we are joined by Alexis Gerst, who is an absolutely amazing woman. She was previously enlisted in the Air Force, and then she uh, got her degree and came back in as an officer. And during this time of crazy remote teleworking, she saw a need for better direction and better guidance in how to take care of remote teams. So she decided to just go ahead and write a book about it, which is freaking awesome. Um, the book is called Leading Remote Teams, Embrace the Future of Remote Work Culture. And it's now available on Amazon and I'll um, include a link into the show notes. Um, but she has a lot of great things to talk about in how to approach leading teams and how to approach teleworking in a positive way. So hopefully you enjoy it. So Alexis, thank you so much for being here today. I'm really excited to have you. Thanks for inviting me to join you on the podcast. I'm excited to chat with you. So let's just get right to it. You took kind of the craziness of the last year and turned it into something super productive. Can you please talk a little bit about your project how it came about and what you what you did with it. Absolutely, yeah. So um, even before the pandemic, my organization was actually allowing telework um, like one day a week or one day every other week for some of their employees. And when they were doing that, I was like, "Hey, can I can I telework? I'm doing the same job as them." And my boss was like, "Sure, I don't see why not." So uh, we actually kind of got to practice teleworking a little bit before we had to telework. And when we were doing that, I kind of got used to transitioning some of our activities, like our team meeting every week. Uh, We had one member that would telework on the the day of the week that was normally our team meeting. So I was like, okay, well, we can use this new thing that we got Microsoft Teams now and I can share my slides and we can do a call on number. And even though you're at home, you can still be part of the meeting. And so she loved that and it worked really well. A couple of learning glitches along the way, but we got it ironed out. And so we started practicing doing that and we kind of became comfortable operating with a lot of our tools online and collaborating that way. And when the pandemic started and our boss sent us all home to telework, we were like, okay, we'll just roll it with the punches. We'll get these meetings set up. We'll use conference call numbers to set up our, our collaborations and everything like that. And so we just rolled right into it and maybe slightly a generational thing. I had a couple millennials on my team, myself also being one of them. And then we had a couple like Gen Xers and then a few of the older generation, but we were able to, to kind of assimilate all of that and work together as a team and help everybody adapt to being able to telework, using a VPN, those types of things, and using the online tools that we had. So, like I said, we just kept rolling and we kept doing what we normally did at our normal pace after the pandemic started. And a couple months in, some of my team members that support multiple teams said, hey, um, I don't know if you know this, but you're actually the only person that's still holding team meetings. I was like, what do you mean, like, still, what do you mean by that? And they were like, you are the only person who has held a weekly team meeting since we all went home. And a couple months in, that was pretty alarming because uh, in- So operations had just stopped. People had just stopped doing parts of their job. Basically, yeah. A lot of people just like quit the collaboration piece of it. Like they were still 
responding to emails and doing kind of like the day-to-day tasks, but the, the collaboration piece, they were like, oh, well, if we can't see each other in person, we're just going to, we don't know how to do that. We're just throw up our hands, you know? So that was really alarming. And the reason why it's so alarming is because when you stop doing things together and you stop collaborating, efforts get dropped and the projects that you've been spending so much time working on just fall to the wayside and you lose all the progress that you've made. So that was kind of scary. And I was like, whoa, whoa, we need to, we need to do something about that. So I started talking with some of the the leads and the team leads and said, Hey, do you think this would be a useful training to do and kind of some of the lessons that I've learned along the way and some of the tools that we're using and how we're collaborating as a team. And they said, absolutely. We need, we need to talk about this. So I kind of drafted my ideas up into some slides and did like an hour. This is kind of what we've been doing. This is what works for us. These are some of the tools that you can use and they loved it and they were really excited about it. So I got a lot of positive feedback about that and started to bring it to some different organizations and of all the positive feedback, one organization actually picked it up and said, hey, we want you to come be a speaker at our symposium. And I was like, wow, there's there's some legs to this. There's some demand for it. So kind of in the back of my mind, I'm a huge reader. I love to read, especially leadership and nonfiction books. And I've always thought I was like, hey, it would be cool to write my own book. But I didn't really know like what my thing would be because most authors have like kind of a platform or what their main thing is. And I was like, I don't know what I want to write about. So when this project kind of kicked off and really that's all it was when it started and really what it is now is it's a passion project. Um, I get excited about it. I get excited talking about how to collaborate digitally and how to work better with your team and communicate. So I was like, hey, I'm going to turn this into a book. I found my thing. I'm going to write about it. So I really just organized those trainings into uh, four main ideas. So the four ideas are why leading remotely matters and why it's important, how to build trust on your team and how to establish that foundation so that you can collaborate and work together. And the next one was how to improve your productivity. So you as yourself as the leader, but then also how to teach your team members how to be productive because when we're working from home, sometimes we can get distracted. When we're working in the office, we can also get distracted. So, but it's very important because when your boss doesn't see you working they don't know what you're doing unless you have valuable outputs to deliver and that you can show what you've been accomplishing and then the last one is improving communication through the digital environment so there's a couple of different nuances when you're communicating digitally that you don't get when you are in the office one of them being nonverbal communication so a lot of conference calls are just calling phone numbers and That could be nice because then you don't have to get dressed and do your makeup and do your hair every day. Um, I'm not going to complain about that part, but you do lose a lot of the personal connection that comes with being able to see somebody's face while you're talking to them. So those were kind of the four main tenets of the training and then transition those into the book. And uh, I think it's got a, a lot of good content for leaders to help them adapt to the digital environment. That's amazing. I think it's so cool that you took all of these things and, you know, paid attention to the people around you and developed training to help bring them together and stay productive and then turned it into a book. That's, I mean, people talk about being productive (laughs) in this time and, uh, and you really took that to another level. So kudos to you for doing that because that's pretty awesome. Thank you. 
Now I have a question. You, you mentioned trust, and and I there's kind of two parts to this question, so I'll be interested on, and they might be related. When we talk about trust in the online environment, there's two components. There's the trust of the of the boss knowing you're doing your work, and and people joke about you know having their moving their cursor when you can see their screen, or you know logging onto their email so it shows the green dot or what you know whatever it is to show yeah. that they're at work during that time. But there's also the trust of a team of, of relating to people and being able to form friendships and being able to be vulnerable and talk about your ideas. And there's a lot of people that feel like that is also really hampered in the online environment. And I think that might even be generational in how we approach that. But do you have any tips for addressing the trust for either one of those? Absolutely. So there's a couple different elements to that. Um, as you said, it's really hard when you're in a digital environment to have that trust and that team collaboration. I do think that the supervisor element, part of that is being productive and making sure that, you know, you're getting your work done. And I had actually quite a bit of anxiety when I first transitioned. Um, so the, at the beginning of the pandemic, the first like three or four months, I was leading a team of nine people that I had been leading for two years already. We were very comfortable with each other um, and how we operated and we knew what we were doing. So that the teamwork and the collaboration and I knew that I could deliver the results and help my team deliver the results that my boss needed. So we were very comfortable on that aspect. But then um, after a few months, I actually did a change of assignment to a different organization, uh, completely virtual. And that was a major learning curve. And that's kind of where a lot of the ideas came from the book is being, hey, I'm a new person coming into this organization. And what's it like to not be able to meet people in person? And it really took a little while of over communicating. And this one thing I talk about in the book is when you're working together in a digital environment, you're not together in the office, you need to over communicate and reach out more than you think you need to. And at first you might feel like you're bothering somebody, but after a while you begin to become more comfortable talking to them when you just reach out and say, hey, how are you doing? Uh, what's going on? Can I help you with this? Can I help you with that? That really helps to drive the comfort level and be able to collaborate better as a team. When you say over communicate, do you mean email, text, face? Like how, how do you how do you recommend that people communicate? So one of the really easy ones is just like the instant messenger, right? So if you have a question, you can shoot that over to them or you can email them and ask them a question. It just kind of depends on um, if it's a more formal question, you want to do it in an email or if it's more informal and you want to open the chat if you're not wanting to necessarily bother them too much or a lot of people just do phone calls too. And I found that the people that I'm doing instant messenger on more often um, or even calling them on the phone and talking to them, I've been way more comfortable with them and building that relationship has been a lot quicker and a lot more, um, a lot easier to, to relate to them as time goes on. Gotcha. So how do you establish that though? Like, do you, as you know, if you have different subordinates kind of working in different ways, do you, did you, are you able to take the time to say, how do you want to communicate? How do you want to, you know, do you, is it a one-on-one -on -one thing? Is it a team thing? Like, how do you decide how to create that, that relationship? I think it could be both depending on the person. As you start to work with people, you learn how they like to communicate. So you'll have the, usually it's good to have a 
regular cadence for team communication, whether it's a weekly team meeting or even a stand-up meeting, maybe you do both. That's really helpful to establish a regular cadence. So you know when your next collaborative meeting is coming up, when you need to check in on some of maybe your action items or things that you're working on. And then other than that, as like a, a team lead to your individuals on your team, it can be very individualized. So I have one person that I work with that loves to just call me up on the phone and chat if he's got any questions or isn't sure about something. And I have other people that will message me. I have other people that will say, can we schedule a time to talk? So everybody's a little bit different that way. And it kind of depends on the person. That makes a lot of sense. So you mentioned productivity and, and that's something that I think is really interesting because we're, when we're in our office, we have the work, we do the work when the work gets done, we go home, you know, you don't really think about it. But I feel like for someone like me, that's kind of ta not task driven, but um, accomplishment driven, <laughs> working from home is a real challenge because I feel like every second I'm supposed to be doing something like even. And so if I have one task at work, I would have done this one task today. If I do it at home, I feel like as soon as I start, I need to get through it. And then if I finish it, you know, 11 o'clock, now I'm totally unproductive because I didn't do 18 other tasks for the rest of the day. Like, cause, because the, the start and end points are so soft and, and the, the boundaries are so soft. And so how do you, how do you gauge productivity or how do you set that expectation for the people that are working for you? So I like to look at it as a week overall rather than each individual day because a week's a long enough time where you can really accomplish a lot, uh, but you're not necessarily like, I need to fill up every single minute of every single day being super productive. So I'll, I'll look at the tasks for the week that I want to accomplish and that I want my team to accomplish. Like we want to hit this milestone or we want to get, you know, XYZ documents completed and ready to the next step um, of what we're working on. So that's kind of one way that I look at it and say, hey, this is something that we want to get done. And as long as we accomplish these things, we're, we're doing good and we're on track. So that's one way to kind of think about productivity. And I like to keep for myself, I keep like a, a notepad of like things that are like the big efforts that I'm working on. So say I'm working on drafting a document or I need to set up some meetings for a certain topic with you know, however many people need to be in that meeting, uh, just kind of keeping it generalized. Um, I'll keep that running tab going. And some days I'll get through a lot of it. And some days I'll hardly get through anything. Um, it just kind of depends on what happens for the day. And in the book, I like to say, you know, don't let your email interrupt you and try to time blocking. And I do a lot of those things sometimes. Um, I joked with one of my old supervisors, it's kind of like fitness. You have to pay rent every day and you have to focus on it every day. It doesn't just happen automatically. So uh, when I have those time blocks, I like to, to knock out a couple of things on that list. And then kind of the balance in that is letting yourself do some of those less flow state tasks. If you've heard of kind of being in a flow state or Cal Newport's book, Deep Work, where you really like get into something. So I like to block off some time chunks to really get into something. But then with some of the other time of the day, once I know I've got those big chunks done, then it's a little bit easier for me to back off and say, okay, maybe I'm going to do some of the lighter stuff now, maybe respond to emails or, or dial into some meetings that I have to be a part of. That's fantastic. Really letting your day work around your energy level as opposed to making your energy level shoehorning it into the pieces of your day. I, I think that that's a great perspective, but you mentioned on your team 
you have multiple generations or mindsets represented. Have you found any particular challenges that some generations are experiencing with the teleworking other than, more than others? Yes. So some of the challenges I've seen, um, one of them is just comfort using the technology. So like when we first transitioned and my engineer, actually, he just had a desktop computer. He always came into work. He was never one that did telework. So he really wasn't comfortable with how to operate on that. Um, and we were also setting up like Microsoft Teams is just coming online at the same time. So he wasn't really like sure how to do all of that. And I had to take some extra time and explain to him how to do it. Okay, test this out now and now try to do that. And really kind of walk him through all the steps because as a team lead, ultimately I'm the one responsible for making sure that he's got the right tools to use. So nobody else is going to do that. Maybe, you know, your, your communications people can help out with that. But at the time they were swamped with trying to get everybody set up. So that's one thing that, you know, you might need to give some individualized attention for the people that are not as comfortable using the technology. The other thing is that they were also not as comfortable just using technology to connect. So your younger generations are really natural in social media, video communications, phone calls, that type of thing. Whereas the older generation is really comfortable going into work and seeing people every day. And they would much prefer a face-to-face -face communication. Like some people, they would prefer, even if you're in the office, they would prefer you just send them an email or call them on the phone or something like that. And other people are like, no, I'm going to walk to your desk and I want to talk to you about it face-to-face. -face. <laughs> um, and so that, that was a difference because I couldn't just walk to your desk and talk to you face-to-face -face anymore. So I think they had a, a challenge adapting to that okay I can't just walk over and talk to you right now we have to find a way around that so you've been doing this for a while now y'all have been you know doing a lot of teleworking have you been in the situation where you had someone that you had to correct or give constructive feedback over virtual medium I'm not sure that I would have had to like necessarily correct anybody one big thing for me is establishing expectations. So for a lot of our stuff, it's task-based and we want something done by a certain date. So I usually try to establish that expectation up front. I did have one instance, actually it was before the, the remote work, where uh, he was, something was sent to his inbox that he was the next person on the checklist to complete his task. And he just wasn't doing it, wasn't doing it. And uh, the other member of my team was like, I sent this to him three weeks ago. He hasn't done anything. Can you talk to him? And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll go talk to him. And I was like, hey, uh, this has been in your inbox for a little while. Have you seen it? And he hadn't even seen it. So he didn't know to go into the system that he was supposed to go into to check on it. So now I'm very upfront. Like when you send somebody, Hey, send them an email, make sure that they know that they got that make sure they know that they're the next one on the list and that it's waiting on them. Um, that way we're not missing things in between the cracks. So the other thing is just being available during business hours. So that was a little bit of a challenge when we first kicked it off. And like you kind of joked about at the beginning, you know, wiggle in your mouse and making sure that you're green and being a little paranoid about that. Um, but just being able to check in on a regular basis, you know, you should respond within a reasonable amount of time. So 30 minutes to an hour or less. Uh, if somebody 
calls you or texts you, answer your phone, especially if it's during business hours, right? Uh, there was an instance with one individual that he wasn't answering his phone. It would take him hours to respond to email. And then we had to, after giving him some constructive feedback and he didn't take on to that, they actually had to route that up the chain of command and they found somewhere else to, uh, for him to work. So it was a little bit challenging that, that way, but. <laughs> yeah, I bet, I bet. So what are the negatives that you see? I mean, you're obviously you're an advocate for teleworking as people are able and certainly a more flexible, adaptive business model makes sense given what we've been going through for the last two years. But what are the negatives that you see? So some of the challenges I see really are missing out on the human connection piece because when we're, when we're in our own homes, you know, behind a computer screen or behind a telephone the whole time, you kind of miss out on that face-to-face interaction with people. So I think finding ways to be a little bit more informal and less transactional, because sometimes when we're so focused on productivity and we have to do this, this, and this, and be all task oriented and get lots of things done in a remote work environment, if the only reason you call somebody is because you need something from them, or the only reason you message somebody is to ask them a question about something work related, you miss out on the opportunity to connect, to make friendships, and to really just maintain those relationships that that make work more fun and more enjoyable, really. So I think taking time intentionally to say, hey, how's your weekend? What are you up to? Um, just kind of getting a little bit more personable within reason, right? We have to maintain professionalism and all that, but asking what people's goals are, what they're working on, um, what makes them excited, those types of things. And those informal conversations can really help to maintain a personal element and feel a little bit less transactional. Yeah, so they're kind of missing out on the water cooler time, the the, the time in the hallways and the break room and all those kind of little times. Yes, exactly. When you can't just like bump into somebody and talk to them, um, you kind of need a reason, right? If you're working remotely, you need a reason to reach out to them. So if I have to call somebody or if I get to call somebody, not have to, right? Um, <laughs> catch myself there. So if there's a reason to call somebody, I'll try to make a point of not just doing that one thing or not just talking about that one thing and then kind of letting the conversation flow a, bit, a little bit. And that's also important to check in on them and see how they're doing, right? So mental health has been a big challenge in, in the remote work transition in the pandemic everybody's been struggling a little bit and needing some extra intentionality around that so watching out for your team checking in on them and seeing how they're actually doing mentally is very important as well so do you think as a leader it's you know how much how engaged are you as a leader in this do you obviously you reach out to your team but do you encourage them to do that do you have anything structured where you expect them to you know, virtual lunch dates or, you know, or is it something you kind of let them kind of figure it out for themselves? So there's a little bit of structure as far as like, we try to encourage informal conversations in our normal, like stand-up meetings and our, our weekly team meetings as well and encourage some of those informal conversations. But other than that, it's fairly unstructured as far as like just the chance conversations or phone calls and things like that. So where do you see this going? 
you know, uh, where people want to get back to normal. And I think a lot of us recognize that normal is not going to be what it was, you know, in 2019. But what do you, what do you think the future of remote work is? I think we're going to see a lot more remote work in the future. The trends are all saying that the next five years, there were going to be more than 36 million Americans working remotely. So a lot of companies are looking at, okay, what does this look like when we go back into the office, it's not going to go completely back to normal. The chances of, I mean, some people may be working full-time in the office again, but if they're mostly, um, for lack of a better term, a desk jockey and working on a computer, chances are they're not going to be in the office all the time. So there's going to be a lot more working remotely. I think as the younger generation comes up, since we're so comfortable in the digital environment, and then also the younger generation demanding more flexibility in their work options. I think that's going to become a retention and a recruiting tool for companies to offer those options and really be competitive with their their talent management that way. So we'll see a lot more fully remote options if they can be as kind of that recruiting and retention tool, but then also uh, part-time or hybrid options. So a lot of people, I think, after about a year of doing this are looking forward to talking to some people face-to-face and going into the office and having some team collaborations that way and getting to see each other in person again, I think is people are starting to crave that more than anything. So I think there's definitely going to be a hybrid because a lot of people are going to want that in person, but maybe they still want the flexibility of being able to work from home or work remotely and maybe be able to take them work, their work with them on travel. So I think going forward, we'll probably see a lot more of a hybrid scenario and then maybe workplaces allowing more flexibility of like hey if you want to go fully remote for you know a few months and do your job that way and come back i think those trends are all uh, what we're going to see in the next several years i i love the idea of a hybrid because i do my best work solo i really like to be alone when i'm doing you know kind of the the flow state for me is absolutely solo in a controlled environment where I can control the noise and all that good stuff. And so I would love to have a day or two a week that I could be at home and get my real work done and then go to work and do the social parts and the, in the collaborative parts and and the parts that don't require, you know, all my brain cells at one time. Um, That's obviously not when I'm doing my, my real job, but when I'm doing my, my air force command jobs. But one thing I'm, I'm curious about your perspective the idea of being able to go fully remote for a while and then come back to work. It also puts into question the, uh, the limitations of convalescent leave, sick leave, maternity leave, that kind of stuff. Cause it's like, well, if, if you were remote last week and now you're on a maternity leave, well, there's no reason why you can't keep working while you're home, which of course there is because while you're recovering from having a child or a surgery or what, you know, or if you're mm-hmm. ill, you know, there's a certain degree of not just not going into work, but being home and recuperating, regenerating that kind of stuff. But I know a lot of people have really felt like just their normal days have kind of smushed together. And so I, I really, really concerns me. The idea, we, we definitely have people that say, I'm not feeling so great. So I'm going to work from home today. Okay, cool. You feel well enough to work but you can, but you don't feel like you want to expose people. You have a cold, whatever. Mm -hmm. But then that next step of, well, you're at home, you have your computer, you just need to work anyway. I, it seems like a slippery slope to me. It does. It does. 
So I think this is going to be very situation dependent. So medical leave is obviously one thing where it's, it's really going to depend on what it was. So for example, I actually had PRK refractive surgery in February of this year, and I needed at least a week off because I couldn't look at a computer without my eyes starting to burn. So, and that type of thing, or, you know, if you're recovering from having a child, you need that time to, to recover and to spend time with your, your new family and things like that. And maybe, I mean, very, very situation dependent as far as that stuff goes. And, you know, maybe if you do feel well enough to work on a computer, and you just can't uh, drive into the office, maybe if you're in like a boot or have an injury that way and you can't drive, or if you're on medications where you can't drive, there's all, all sorts of options there where you might be able to work from home where you can't necessarily drive into the options. So that's a, a good option to have as far as those flexibility options. Um, but I do think that the, we have to be careful about our expectations of, oh, well, you have your computer at home, so you should be working. Mm-hmm that can really blur the lines between work and home life. So one thing I really like is having kind of like your set business hours. And I know like a lot of civilians go off of that where, you know, from whatever, eight to four or something like that, these are your work hours. You're going to be online and logged in during those hours. That's kind of a good, and then you can unplug and say, okay, and outside of those hours, I'm going to turn my laptop off. I'm going to log out and I'm not going to be working and set it in a different room. And then, The other side of that is measuring performance. So one kind of vision that I pitch in my book is measuring performance based on performance outcomes rather than time input and efforts Mm -hmm. input. So rather than um, expecting people to just be online working all the time, can we move to a situation where we are measuring their performance, measuring certain deliverables and things like that, where we can say, yes, you're still accomplishing your job the way you're supposed to be, but we're not going to monitor whether your dot is green for eight hours a day. I think that will enable us to shift more to a better situation where our mental health is a little bit more stable because we know we're accomplishing the outcomes that we want to accomplish and the performance-based goals that we want to accomplish rather than the anxiety that goes around, am I putting enough time in work? And is there enough boundary or is work bleeding over into my home life as well? But I I love the idea of the flexibility because right now in a regular work environment, say you're supposed to work from eight to four, but your kid has the Christmas pageant at two o'clock. Well, right now, you leave for two hours, which as you should, right? Because it's, this is, you only get to see one second grade Christmas project. <laughs> um, but you, then you come back and either you don't, or maybe you don't come back at four o'clock or by four o'clock and you look like you've cut out that part of the day. And we're still not there yet in valuing family, you know, across the board in, 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 in that being acceptable on a regular basis. But there's a lot of people that would have no issue coming back at four and working for two or three hours and being productive and doing that. And the home environment absolutely gives you the flexibility to do that. And so I love the idea of recognizing the tasks or the outcomes or the the results-based mindset instead of focusing on which hours. 
that you're there. Cause one of the things I struggle, I am very much a night owl. I'm an afternoon worker. My best work is in the afternoon. I tend to be at work early just because I'm a surgeon. So we, we have to be at work early, but when I'm not, I have no qualms about showing up at eight 30 or nine, like showing up late because I work until five or six every day, but nobody sees you working till five or six. They just see that you're not there at eight. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, and so that time is valued in a different way. And I feel like in the online environment, we're still figuring out how we value time or what it's supposed to look like to be conscientious and, and hardworking and all those things. I feel like we're still, this is, we're in a prime time to try to develop that and in a, in a healthy way, instead of creating something that is untenable for most people. And so I'm just, I'm interested to see how that shapes up over the next few years. Yes, I am as well. Um, And I think that's one reason why I really like to look at my productivity on a weekly viewpoint rather than each day. Uh, Because some days, like I said, might be super productive, you might be able to get a lot done. Maybe if you do want to make up some hours and catch up on some work that you had to do, you could put in time afterwards, um, like you said, for that Christmas pageant. Uh, I had one day this last week where I had to go to base for a bunch of medical appointments and I wanted to actually kind of back to back all of those appointments in one morning so that I didn't, wasn't losing time driving back and forth because I live about 45 minutes to 30 minutes away from base, depending on traffic. So if I have to drive in, do my appointment and then drive back, that's a huge chunk out of my day. So Thursday morning, I did not get much done for work, but the other days I was making sure that I was focused and getting those deliverables knocked out and some of my team members were actually like, wow, she got this um, document done in two days and it looks awesome. And we're going to be able to send it out to the contractor now. So those types of things, taking more of that week long view, because some days you might really be on at work all day long. And then other days you might have like a half day or a couple hours out of your day where you're not as productive because you have other things going on. So I think that and we're all going to learn as we go along but I think that kind of like weekly based performance approach and overall um, measuring the outcomes over the longer term rather than just the hourly or the daily basis. I I love that I think it's such a great idea because it also makes it easier both as a leader and as a colleague uh, to think about fairness you know people have this perception of unfairness so and so got to lose you know, but if at the end of the day, all the work's done, what argument really do you have? So I think that that's a great, a great perspective to take. So what advice would you give to someone who's getting ready to transition to the teleworking environment or remote environment? One piece of advice I would have is talk to your boss, your supervisor, your team leader, and or all of the above if they're different people and figure out what their expectations are for you. So that's super important in figuring out, you know, at the end of the day, in fairness, how are you being evaluated? What are your, what are your supervisor's expectations for you as far as outcomes and ask them to be proactive on a regular basis. So maybe not just once a year, (laughs) maybe once a month or once a week, these are the things that I want you to focus on. These are the things that I want you to make progress on. And then like, if you're a team lead that weekly, this is what I want you to accomplish this week. I think, is going to go make leaps and bounds for us and being able to understand what is expected out of us because then we can perform to that level without having the worries about am I putting in enough or am I putting in too much because that's also another trend we've seen is with laptops and computers at home people being able to work from home they have a really hard time just 
unplugging and they're tending to just log on earlier, you know, maybe you log on 30 minutes earlier, maybe you stay on 30 minutes later, an hour extra per day over a week is five extra hours and is 20 extra hours a month. That's, that adds up really quick. So I think setting those expectations and being comfortable with I'm doing enough, but I'm not necessarily doing way too much to the point where it's going to be a detriment to my health. That makes a lot of sense. So the book is now out. Yes, it is. So it's actually live on Amazon. Now we have the ebook and the paperback. And for people that might be listening to this later, I am going to be getting the audio book out on audible as well. Um, so if they search leading remote teams on Amazon, they'll find it as one of the first results and they can get it now. And yeah. And I'll also put a link um, in the show notes. So that'll be there. For yes. You. Awesome. Yep. You'll have that link. So yeah, definitely check it out. I think it's got a lot of great tips to help us adjust to this transition and help us become more productive and communicate better on our virtual teams as we go forward, because the trend's definitely going to continue. Awesome. Thank you so much. This is such interesting perspective. And I, like I said, I'm totally amazed and impressed that you took this frustration that it was everyone was having and so quickly turned it into actionable useful advice for everyone. So thank you for doing that because I know it's going to help a lot of people that are making this transition against their will. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. The, uh, the book actually, I say it wrote itself pretty quickly because um, once I had the outline and the, the different things that we definitely needed to talk about it, it went very quickly and just knocked it out chunk by chunk. So very excited to get this out there. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for being here. I wish you tons of success. I hope lots of people take a look at the book and, and hopefully makes their lives a little bit more productive and less stressful. So thank you so much. Thank you, Mary. So that's been our discussion of how to optimize leading a remote team with Alexis Gerst. She's the author of Leading Remote Teams, Embrace the Future of Remote Work Culture. Please check it out. It's on Amazon and anywhere you find paperback or electronic books. And if you like it, give it a like, subscribe, or share with a friend. Next week, we will talk to Kelly Imey, who is an absolutely wonderful, insightful woman who's going to talk to us about keeping our mental health together during the pandemic. She's an expert. I know I've done a couple of podcasts on this, but I believe it's really important. And I wanted to get someone smarter than me in here to help you guys out and to give us some new perspective. Thanks again for joining Level the Pursuit. While we can't choose where we start, we can choose our dreams and how we pursue them. Remember, success is a team sport and there's room for all of us to achieve our goals. So be a good leader, be a good follower, and do something great.